Today's uh, talk title is Meditation 101. So, as Anya said, when she heard that, back to basics. It's not really back to. It's, it's always basic. It's always this. It's always just observing. Meditation is about training yourself to not abandon anything. Training yourself not to lock down or fixate on anything. <coughs> and also not to, this is uh, a little bit harder to see this, not to believe in or elaborate on or analyze anything. And when we say that, when I say that, we can't, we can't help but do that. If we, if, we say, if we make it an instruction, do it this way, don't do this, then the awareness of how much we keep running away, how much we keep grasping, and how much we keep um, looking at something, and we just can't see what's in front of us, we, we instead replace it. Uh, and I gave a talk some time ago, a couple years ago, called Replacement Thoughts. Something shows up, has some kind of a thought pattern showing up with it, and we replace it with something else. Our ideas, our opinions, our judgments, our evaluations. And they could even be relatively uh, supported or true. This is why people have conversations, because it looks like somebody's getting somewhere. Probably not. So we're going to do some uh, guided meditation. And... Uh, so all you have to do is, wherever you're sitting, just sit there. If you can hold your back straight, that would be good. Since you're not facing the wall, in this case, just off the tip of your nose, look right down at the floor, or at someone's back if someone's in front of you. And I'll talk uh, a little bit as we do this uh, by way of uh, instructing. Here we go. Holding the body very still. Just observe. Whatever is happening in any of the sense fields, including the mind, just observe, just receive what appears without adding anything to it. No interpretation. All the senses are open. And the only thing that you're particularly doing is holding very still. If your back is sore, your knee is sore, then intentionally move. Make an adjustment if you need to and then return to stillness. If three minutes later that occurs again, make another move and then return to stillness. Don't uh, necessarily indulge in any kind of discomfort and adding on that that somehow is training. That's a misunderstanding, a big one. Pay attention to your body. Ignoring anything 
reinterpreting anything. Just keeps the confusion going. It's a very simple, direct, you could say witnessing, firsthand, first thought, first feeling, first sensation. And when we do that, sometimes we notice that we add on. It is only about being aware. If you are holding very still with all of your senses open, even if this were the very first time you ever meditated, whatever arises in any of the six sense fields, including the mind, is exactly what you need to see in order to return to your original sanity. There is nothing to correct. Whatever is moving, thoughts, emotions, memories, sounds outside the building, sounds in the room, movements, just observe. If you do add on a comment, then just observe that.
you go on the internet or look uh, under whatever your search engine is, anywhere and look under meditation, you'll find countless ideas, interpretations, directions, prescriptions, recommendations, and uh, promises. I've done some pretty complicated meditations for quite long periods of time. I'm not saying they were wrong, incorrect. It's like everyone should find their own what's going to work best for them. But I would be quite tentative about jumping to some kind of conclusion or evaluation about what's happening. This particular form of meditation is called Shikantaza. It's just precisely this, is the translation out of the Japanese. It's the simplest one. There isn't anything. You just hold still and watch. That's the instruction. Sometimes we need to elaborate. Don't add on to it. Don't speculate. Don't necessarily um, buy into some kind of criticism of how bad you're doing or how good you're doing. And there are um, other kinds, Vipassana, uh, which is closing the eyes and it's more elaborate kind of scanning. Not, not wrong, not incorrect. Go do that. You could do that. But this is very simple. If you're, if you're in this room, then you probably already know about this. Uh, if, you're, if you're seeing this particular uh, teaching for the first time, then you could actually practice this for a long time without asking anybody any questions about anything. If you keep this one thing in mind, nothing extra. Sit down, hold still. Don't add. What, if you're holding still, whatever occurs in the mind, I'm not saying it won't be difficult. It could be very difficult, depending on the karma that you bring to that situation. But whatever occurs, this is your opportunity to really get to know yourself. And as, as my teacher, Chogyam Trungpa, uh, characterized it, make friends with yourself. Instead of trying to get rid of the negativity, Make friends with the negativity. Make friends with that uh, aspect of yourself that is so frustrating, so difficult, so painful, so frightening, or whatever it may be. In the process of doing that, of getting to know that, that's how you make friends. Getting to know, getting to understand, receiving what that is, seeing what that is, including your confusion. Include the confusion. Don't get rid of something you haven't even investigated. Include it. And this allows your awareness to slowly, you could say this metaphor, metaphorically, is to spread to, because it's not held up by uh, what is called in the Heart Sutra, it's called walls of the mind, preconceptions, ideas, concepts that just, if you believe anything, this is going to stop you from uh, pro progressing on a spiritual path. And also, don't disbelieve. So the idea of right meditation, wrong meditation, it's kind of extra. But I, my recommendation is keep it very simple. Start very, very simply. If you're sitting here and you want to, you can watch anything that's moving, uh, even if it's your elbow uh, muscle and your elbow twitching. Your, your diaphragm moving as you breathe. You can watch that. 
the, the, the idea, the way I teach this is watch whatever you want to, just don't fixate on it as trying to make yourself be a better meditator. And I speak from experience having done that for decades and taught it to others based on I was taught that, so I taught out of what I was taught. I don't teach out of what I was taught, and I don't not not teach. Is that right? But I also teach out of how this looks right now, right this, right now. That's where this teaching comes from. It may mean something to you to hear me say that. It may not. I'm not concerned not particularly trying to win somebody's approval. I don't even have my own. If you don't understand what I'm talking about, you should ask questions. What do you mean you don't have your own approval? Well, there's no there's no right and wrong. So there so there can't be any approval, disapproval. That whole polarity is if you buy, if you think there's right and wrong, you, and you clamp down on that and try to get rid of one and grab, grasp the other one, uh, you'll spin for the rest of this life until, I'm not condemning you to anything, it's just the nature of the mind is to spin until you, uh, until the, <clears throat> the elements go back into the earth or into the fire. Whatever arises in the mind is an illusion. More. Is right or wrong different from helpful or not helpful? Well, it certainly is wrong to not be helpful. <laughs> so it's more about the locking down on it than just a, a, a just a, a tacit understanding of it. Of course, we want to be helpful, but be be very careful about adding on to the "I'm just so helpful." Mm-hmm. Well, I'm only trying to help you. Well, can't they see that I'm? I'm can't they? Can't they see? People are saying, people are saying, people are saying. No, they're not. You're saying that in your mind. That's what's happening. So, yes, if something like that shows up, then you would you would look at that, and, but it would be out of the contrast of it rather than grasping it right and rejecting wrong. This is the very nature of samsara, of delusion. It's just a, it's just a complete misunderstanding of the whole thing that causes us to shrink into some kind of a self that needs protection, some kind of a self that doesn't want to be anybody to disrespect them, some kind of a self that's somehow in danger and needs to uh, carry a, uh, have a holster full of concepts. Can we know if we're being helpful? Probably not. Because if you think you are, then these are thought patterns about something. As soon as you something happens and you have thought patterns about it, it's never correct. I mean, it's never and it's never reflecting what's there. It's reflecting uh, what's there combined with your ideas about what's there, and your ideas that 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 you actually are aware of, and then the ideas that you're not so aware of, the concepts that you don't know you hold. One of the concepts we all have that we a projection that we all have is that we are someone. We're a solid being. Just a misunderstanding. Yes. Are we confused if um, we have certain what we consider helpful habits, like uh, eating habits or sleeping habits that we think are good for us? Is that a misunderstanding? No. 
I need more. I need more help to go in there. You gonna help me? <laughs> Can we be solidifying an identity with any any habit? Certainly. Good. But it's only about not about getting rid of habits. Even when I say, don't do this, don't do this. I, I know you can't help but do that because I can't help it. But it's not, a, it's not, it's always about awareness. It's never about control. Unless you're trying to control something. And then of course, for the time being, it's about the control until you see how, um, how that misses the point to control. That misses the point. Not that we don't control, you know, our spoon from our bowl of soup to our mouth. We control that spoon have some soup, otherwise we would pour it in our ear. Don't do that. Choke up. If somebody sees that there's no self, can that habit energy still be so strong and um, that it destroys or takes them down? Well, it could be, it could be, I mean, if someone's seeing conceptually that there's no solid, Sometimes that's the way it happens. We understand it conceptually. We study the five skandhas uh, and study the various uh, provisional teachings, and we see that there's no solid being there. There's a, I like to uh, refer to it as discontinuous. Our, we're there, and then we're not there, and then we're kind of there, and then there's we have doubts about who we are and what we are and what we're doing and how we're, and all of the emotions are playing into that that make us feel unstable and insecure and so therefore we grasp at concepts and ideas and structures and beliefs to help protect us belief in the higher power all the other things kinds of belief belief in buddhism for that matter nothing's going to save you what is the path if there's nothing that's going to save yeah it's it is a way of working with it so you can see the truth it's like you're a monk, saw a robe, received vows, you're observing the vows. I hope you are. <laughs> and then and then you practice. Train your mind to see for yourself, to understand what, what is being pointed at through the teachings. Everything is dependently arisen. That's difficult to see that. It's it's easy to think about it somewhat, but it's difficult to see it with direct perception, a direct seeing of no conceptual overlayment, underlayment, nothing about that. You just see it. You don't need proof anymore for any, of anything. If you see it, water's wet, fire's hot, wind is bothersome. Unless you're in a sailboat. Yes, sir. Is it possible to see the path and not be ready to dedicate walking down it? Oh, sure. Yeah, you shouldn't do anything unless you have to. So don't, don't, don't do it. Just continue to look at whatever's in front of you until you see it clearly. If you're, if you're going either or, not good. If somebody comes to me and wants to receive vows and they're kind of not really sure about it, I, I send them away. I go think about it for a while or reflect on it. But uh, it's, their, it's their business. Uh, there are teachers that teach other ways, not not incorrect, but just another way of working with people. I think 
think it's a good idea not to do anything unless you have to do it. And that, you could call that patience. You could also call it uh, putting everything in neutral so you can see what this, see where you're actually driving into. Just put it in neutral and walk, look at this, the life that you're in, wherever you're at in your life, and just look at that before you start to make a movement this way or that way. With Shoko's question, I, um, the concept of one and a half fold egolessness came up. Um, can there truly be a um, a seeing of no self if no other isn't seen? So we have to start somewhere. So it's going to have a relative situation for a while until it doesn't. And then when it doesn't, then everything suddenly becomes very relative again. But it's not separate. So you actually see the, the no separation in the relativity. You don't get rid of anything. One and a half full egolessness is a way of talking about the uh, uh, fruition of the Hinayana path <coughs> or seeing through that there's there's no self in the skandhas, form, feeling, perception, concept, or memory and consciousness, that there's no solid being there that he's protecting. And then, so we need to start somewhere. So that's where we tend to see it there. Yes? Is the, is the Hinayana fruition, like you're talking about it, is that still just an intellectual understanding? No, not necessarily. Well, it can be, it can be very deep, but there's some, it looks like more needs to be done there. That's a big <laughs> thing to realize that, that you're not, that you're not solid ongoing being that there's no that there's no solidity there. So the, the another form of meditation uh, that I mentioned earlier is a, a, a mindfulness awareness, or the Tibetan would be Shin and Laktong or sh, uh, Shamatha Vipassana which means that you stabilize first, or you follow the breath, or you label thinking, return to the breath, or you possibly do a um, counting the breaths, or following just the out-breath, or I think His Holiness uh, 17th Karmapa, last I heard his teaching for uh, Shine, or what's translated as uh, resting in tranquility, or calm abiding, is to count the breath. Uh, count the out-breath as one, the in-breath as one, the out-breath is two, the in-breath is two, so one, one, two, two, three, three, four, four. Uh, hyperventilating here. <laughs> so to do that and then do it one to ten, and then if you lose your way, which you probably won't if you're doing that so much, but it's just his way of teaching it, so it really tightens right down on that awareness and gets you to be one-pointed. And I'm not saying that, that, that I'm going to correct his holiness, of course not. We'll study under him. He'll let you. Uh, you might have to give up a whole bunch of stuff, um, which maybe you're ready to do that. But the way I talk about it is is to just watch what moves, and then that becomes your object, and rather than go into an artificial object and train artificially on a treadmill. I want you to train going up and down the mountain. I want you to train jumping from tree to tree. I want you to train uh, falling in the pond. I want you to train. Uh, somebody throwing you in a trash can, putting the lid on. I want you to train out of your experience of 
you're here. Be this, have the karma, allow the karma to come, come up through you rather than create an artificial awareness, meditated person who now is ready to do Vipassana or power of uh, uh, panoramic awareness. So it just looks different over here. And that, maybe that's because I had two different teaching uh, traditions, uh, Tantra and uh, Zen. With the way that you teach Shikantaza and watching what moves, if, if we notice that our body is something that's moving and we're given an instruction to um, be still, is it appropriate to, to stop the, the bodily movement? You know, a little bit. So if you're sitting and you're, you're, you know, find yourself moving or shifting a little bit, use that as, a, as part of your awareness. If you can, hold still, but if you notice you're spontaneously moving, some people have... Uh, there's even a, a word for that uh, called, I think it's called kriyas, or, or uh, spontaneous movements. If somebody's doing a lot of sitting practice, they could start to have spontaneous physical movements. Hard to know what the source of that is, but it is very, very possible to know what it is. But it's a, it's a, it's a, it is not an objective knowledge. It's a, it's a very, very subjective knowledge. And so you would need to do that rather than have this teaching person tell you what it is, or any teaching person. Don't believe anybody. Don't believe me. Don't believe anybody else. I'm here to help you see who you are, not help you become a Buddhist necessarily or join anything. There's no membership here. Is there, <clears throat> is there a difference in the awareness when we are facing the wall compared to for example, sitting in a doshi or doan seat and then looking out? I think there is. It's, uh, uh, sitting and facing a wall uh, takes on more of the form of looking at your own dynamic. Uh, this is a way of, uh, without using uh, an attachment or an emphasis on forms, it's your own form of uh, uh, shamatha or your own form of mindfulness to sit down and just look at the wall. First you see the wall in front of you and then eventually you see the walls in your mind. Then you, then you just have a better understanding of what barriers and how those work to uh, ignorance. And then when you're sitting in the, the doshi seat or the doan seat, which faces out, it's just a natural way because that's your, your function. So it's a natural way. It's not something you're doing. It's something you are. You're just, you're here. You're, if you're the doan, you're kind of in charge of the zendo or the meditation hall. So you're sitting still. You watch whatever's moving. And you, you uh, respond to it if need be. You might respond to it just by being aware of it. You might be respond respond to it by getting up and closing a window, or um, any number of things. So it's more it's more of a, a, a spacious or a, a vipassana kind of practice. But it's happening naturally rather than something that you're trying to do. It's it's natural. If you sit down and look at a wall. Your your visual consciousness is open. Your auditory, all of the other sense fields are open. And things may move and they may not. They probably will. And then you just observe those. Is that what you're asking about? Okay. Can we still see the walls of the mind while we're looking at when we're looking out? Yeah. Yeah, you're, it's just a way of slowly moving from this uh, uh, tighter form out to a more open form. So you're, you're out there and there's much more space in front of you. 
Sometimes, uh, depending on if I talk to a person personally about their practice, I might actually have them face one of these windows and look out, sitting rather than face the wall. Or I could have them move away from the wall. I might even have them turn and face out altogether, depending on what's happening. And that way, uh, it's not, not about right or wrong. It's just that if someone comes to me and asks, then I, I kind of have a permission, you could say, from them to go in and say, do this, move this a little bit, or sit this other way. When we're um, at home on our own, is there a time, uh, what would be the indication that we should sit facing out or facing the wall? Is there a way to tell? I would face the wall until it's time to face out. <laughs> you'll know. You'll know. You'll know. You might. It can show up so many different ways. But it would be a natural situation. It wouldn't be necessarily a decision that based on, hmm, am I ready for this yet? Uh, I don't know. Maybe I should face the wall more. The main practice is to face the wall. And then you might turn around. You might back away from the wall. You might look out a window. You might go out on your porch. The important thing is to sit a lot. Yes, sir. I was going to ask if there is a, a difference between facing the wall and closing your eyes. Or yes, oh. big difference. <laughs> so if you're meditating, you're closing your eyes, uh, you're shutting down on one of the sense fields, and those sense fields are all related to each other. They're all part of the same, the whole sensorium, including the mind. So if you... If you close your eyes, it might even be easier to sit there. You might feel more meditative. Your your self-centered part of your mind actually feels like you're getting somewhere because you can actually be more calm. To have your eyes open, it's difficult to more difficult because you're 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 more there's more uh, connection with a physical form that's sitting in a physical room. Whereas if you close your eyes, it simulates or or fluffs up that whole area of the mind we call the dream. And the daydreaming, it's easier for the daydreaming to happen. This is one of the reasons, uh, when I say reasons, I don't know. I don't teach Vipassana, but there's a, techniques in Vipassana to actually get you to stay focused on interior things that are happening in the, in the, you know, by scanning the body and so on like that. The same thing with, uh, with tantric uh, creation completion practices where you're visualizing deities and working with deities and working with mandalas, working with uh, mantra, working with uh, uh, the... The, uh, uh, the uh, what is it, Avadut, or the central channel, and the other two, which uh, Lasana and Rasana, I don't know, it sounds like a couple of twins. <laughs> so, anyway, there, those guys are there. So, uh, you, you, we tend to complicate it uh, by doing that. Not, not incorrect, but the way it looks here is if you sit down and hold very still and have your eyes open. Then, since that, just because this is open, then the way the mind, the mind is working in a way that it does when you're up, up busy and doing things, except the only difference is the body is not moving. So therefore, the mental aspect, uh, along with the other five sense consciousnesses, are, are, are just as if you're up and moving around. The, the difference is you're actually able to see the way you confuse yourself. Close your eyes. I mean, it feels better, easier, but you might as well plug your ears 
put yourself in a sensory deprivation tank, take off your shoes and socks, you know, <laughs> really still, and maybe even pipe in some music, you know, or like a tone, like maybe to get you in your alpha state or something like that. These are, these are all manipulations based on projected or ideations about accomplishing something. There is nothing to accomplish. You're, you're, you're what you're looking for, you already are. Just stop fighting with yourself. Sound like a admonition, admonition of some kind. If you see what this is, you don't need to meditate. If you don't see what it is, then sit down and look at it until you understand what this is. And so that you understand, not, not something you believe in, but something you actually see. You may need Buddhism, you may not. You may need to go to a, a, a sweat lodge. I don't know. You may need to find a shaman. If you're here, that probably says something about it. You don't have to stay here, go somewhere else. Unless you're a student of mine, then you have to get permission. <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I say, go ahead and go. Of course I will. More about that? Is there? So, so it's a, just a difference in a way of working with it. And it's not that doing closing your eyes wouldn't be helpful. It wouldn't, but it's it's extreme goal uh, orientation about being calm, being peaceful. You know, you can do that, and you could accomplish kind of a, a results orientation. I'm more calm. I'm more peaceful. I'm so glad I started meditating. Uh, there's all of that happening. It's just that if your our karma, your karma, our karma is so complicated that if uh, uh, 22 months from now or six years from now and an, an emotional tsunami comes out of the West uh, that is your particular sensorium that deals with your karma, uh, it's probably not going to stand up because it's creating a result. And results, just like a tree in the wind, is going to blow down. Don't build anything. Don't build any trees. Don't build any lodges. Don't build. Don't build anything. I'm not saying don't build in the fundamental sense. What I'm saying, be very, very uh, tentative about creating any kind of identity that is a meditator or a Buddha. You're already that. You don't have to be. You already are the Buddha. Just stop covering it up. A little bit of time. If there's other questions. You said Joseph. don't believe uh, anything I say. I do. What, is, what is trust? Well, it's a, an extreme form of giving somebody the benefit of the doubt. But not a good idea to trust anybody because you don't know. Don't, you know, I wouldn't even trust this. You don't have to trust it if unless you want something else. If you want the world to be different for you. I'm not saying that, that if you're having an extreme you know, migraine headache or your, your nerves are uh, doing something to you where you're extremely ill or sick or you're in, uh, suffering. It's not that you wouldn't want to get out of that. Of course, it's painful. Nerve endings, that's what they're, they're doing, so it could be painful. But the idea of, of taking something that's arising and, and imputing something onto that so that you don't have to examine it anymore. You should always be examining everything all the time. And I don't mean like a, kind of a detective looking for proof, but I mean, whatever arises, don't believe it, don't disbelieve it, don't look away. If you wanted to use uh, trust, uh, 
you could, uh, perhaps I would, uh, I could say that uh, uh, trust everything. Don't be selective about it. Selectivity is uh, prejudice or is uh, ignorance. Even though you have all kinds of proof for you should trust this person because they, you've checked their ter- their their uh, credentials. Uh, you know everybody is. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is all dependently risen, so I wouldn't trust anything. I don't. I don't believe my thoughts. And I have all kinds of them. I pro- my my mind is probably more crazy than anybody's. It's not real. What is real? Find out. You, you, you wouldn't believe it if I told you. I wouldn't want you to believe it. Then they just say, don't believe anything I say. Okay, I'll, I'll put you to the test. I don't believe this now. What was I going to say? <laughs> blue alligator. Huh? Blue alligator in the kitchen. A blue alligator in the kitchen? Yeah. She's very inventive. What she's alluding to is that you can you make up anything. This is a, the world, this body-mind complex. This this is not you. I mean, this body, this is not you. It's, it's, it's an aspect of your consciousness, but it's not you. This is this is very short-lived, what, 70, 80 years maybe, or, or shorter or longer. But it's just it's just coming up in manifestation. But who you actually are is, transcends everything. Trans, it goes beyond everything. Trusting everything and not trusting anything. Same thing. Good one. Good. Very good. I didn't think you were that smart. (laughs) (laughs) No, I knew you were smart. Yes. Uh, Question from Gary Huey out in Traverse City. He's asking, could you expand on quote what this is? You say that often. So. I have to lie to tell you. Here goes. It's not separate. It's it's dependently arisen, and the very dependently arisen quality of it is also unreal. It's it's empty of anything you think about it. And it's difficult to go beyond that. Some people, their books after we know we study several of them go on and on and on about one simple situation, not separate. Everything is empty of what you impute or think it is. And there are elaborations that go on conceptually. Uh, <laughs> study them. Further questions? Thank you very much. And with that, we'll stand and dedicate the merit <laughs> in the back of our blue champ books. Meditate a lot. I'd also like to remind everybody about the donation boxes that we have in the hallway. We rely on and appreciate any financial support you can give us. We also uh, encourage anybody who can to pr- subscribe uh, monthly to our organization. You can do that through PayPal, sending us checks giving us cash. Thank you. May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. Jiyo Sanji.
Everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering, and fill them with light. 